morning. How y'all doing? All right. All right, my name is Van. All right, I'm going to be giving you the word today. All right, and we are in our fourth week of Trustworthy. And we're going to be talking about the holiness of God today. God is really, really holy. Did you know that? He's really holy. Okay. Um, we're going to have a little, uh, before we get to a riddle, okay, uh, God's holiness can sometimes uh, cause us to wrestle in our faith, but at the same time, step out onto it. And, and I hope to convey that today, but let's get to this riddle. What is holy, okay, what is holy but can stink at the same time and does not involve a curse word? What is holy but can stink at the same time? Any guesses? Huh? Sock. Cheese. Okay. <laughs> sock. Holy sock. Get it? Okay. All right. It's a little riddle for y'all. We're going to be looking in Isaiah 6 today. So let's just get in the word, okay? All right. So it says this. It was in the year... King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. This is Isaiah talking. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a, a people with filthy, filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? This people is referring to the nation of Israel. Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. Even a tenth, a remnant, survive. It will be invaded again and burned, but as a terebinth 
or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. So after reading this short chapter, we get a sense of how holy God is, but at the same time, how terrifying he can be. You know, we read the chapter and it, it kind of is it's starting off great. We see these weird looking seraphim thingies. They're saying, holy, holy, holy. They can't stop talking about it. They can't stop shouting about it. And then we see the mercy of God with Isaiah in, in the cold. His, his guilt is removed. His sin is gone. But then later in the chapter, things take a turn. We see God reveal His judgment for His people. You know, these are the same people that He saved out of Egypt, remember? Where, where he, he, he took them through the Red Sea. He showed them signs and wonders. The same people He loves. Now He wants to send them away and turn their country into a deserted wasteland. How holy is that? I mean, someone coming to God for the first time, reading the Bible, they might think this, this, this God has some serious mood swing issues. Some of you might have thought that, reading the Bible. But you know, God has no such issues. His holiness is something that, yes, yes we, we should fear, but at the same time, take delight in because if God wasn't holy, sin wouldn't be dealt with. But He is, so there must be judgment. There has to be a reckoning day for sin. And we have to realize that because God is so holy, we have to understand that He can do whatever He wants in His judgment. And therein lies the issue that because God is so holy and He can do whatever He wants in His judgment, in His judgment that He's justified in doing it. There lies the issue for, for some. And many people, including us believers, we can have a hard time stomaching that sometimes. We can have a hard time grasping that concept. And, and that might be making some of you uncomfortable right now. Like, like how, how God, uh, how can you send the people you love away and, and, turn your, and turn their home into a deserted wasteland? How can you do that? Well, there's a very good reason why. The heart of Israel was corrupt. There were idols throughout the land. They were worshiping other gods. They had for, forsaken their first love. They had forgot about God. They were corrupt. The idols were a stronghold. They had forsaken the God of their ancestors. And yes, there were, there were some spiritual reforms that happened, but they never went deep enough. They never touched the root of the problems that Israel had. You know, if we choose to stay in our own logic, in our own human thinking, we will eventually run into an area where we have a hard time agreeing with some of the decisions 
that God makes. If you, if you read the Old Testament, I guarantee you, you will run into something that you might not agree with. And we have to wrestle with that. We believe this holy, all-powerful, all-knowing God. But why did he do that? You're wrestling in your faith. And sometimes that's okay because he wants, he wants us to seek him. He wants us to search him out. He wants that relationship. And it's okay knowing that we're not going to understand everything all the time. It's okay. Because in Isaiah 55, verse 9, it says, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. But if we don't accept this, human logic can send us down a dangerous path where there's deception. And that deception can, uh, deception can lead to false teaching, which gives opportunity for sin to flourish. I mean, we've seen in our lifetime, there's, there's people that, that come and go that claim to be something and lead people astray. And sometimes it ends in a disaster because of this deception. And it can lead us to worship a, a false Christ, you know, an imposter of the true Son of God. Because people will literally pick and choose what they want to believe about God and the Bible. They'll bring in rationale because they don't believe in what God did in a certain way or how he is in a certain way. They'll, they'll begin to rationalize things. And this is, this is kind of a, a, a touchy subject uh, nowadays, but one of the main issues that people wrestle with is how can a good God send good people to hell? Maybe some of you've asked that question. You can think of some good people, right? In your life that you know of, or maybe somebody you look up to, that you would think that would do no evil or, or, or no harm. How could a good God send that person to hell? Well, the, the problem with that view is that it fails to grasp the magnitude of God's holiness. I mean, His holiness is immense. It fails to grasp that. And it also makes the mistake in basing what is good of what we think is good. Because God not only judges sin in action, He judges sin in our heart. Not just in action, but in heart, in our heart. Because Matthew 15, 19 says, out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Jesus says this in Matthew 5. I think most of you will remember this. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. You have heard the commandment, 
that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So God is not just looking at action. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at your motive. What's going on up here? See, growing up as a teenager, man, I said, if I just don't do this, I don't do this, I'll be all right. But man, when I read that Bible and I read that, I said, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Because I thought it was only action. But it's about your heart. So those very people that we thought couldn't do any harm, we thought couldn't do any evil. Sorry to say this, but in God's eyes could very well be a murderer or an adulterer. Because the thing is, our hearts are plagued with sin. And no heart can escape it. No heart can escape it. Only God can truly know what's all in a person's heart. He knows everything in a person's heart. We don't. But there's one thing for sure that we know is that sin is there. That sin is in the heart. But then some might say, what about the people who never got to hear the gospel? What about those people groups maybe in a rainforest somewhere that no camera has seen? Well, there's a view out there and not everyone believes it, but I, I want to share it so you can think about it. You can, maybe you can study later on in your own time. But the view is that because God is omniscient, that He's all-knowing, that He's going to know whether or not someone would reject or accept His invitation. Because God knows everything, right? If He's omniscient. He knows what outfit you're going to wear tomorrow. He knows what you're going to eat. He knows how you're going to look in 10 years. He knows everything inside and outside of time. There's nothing He doesn't know. So this view suggests that if a person would pass into eternity, that he would be justified in his decision if they reject him because he's omniscient. So the thing is, God knows our hearts. He sees the darkest corner. He sees what we wouldn't dare want anyone in here to see. He sees that. You know, we have unclean lips. We have unclean thoughts. Paul tells the Romans that no one is good. No, not one. And Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. If you're still with me, hang in there. This is a heavy word. But hang in there. Because I'm not saying all this to make us feel bad. I'm not saying this to beat us down. 
What I'm showing is that we just utterly fail in comparison to a holy and righteous God. We have to know how tremendously far away His holiness is compared to whatever we can muster up on our own. But you know what? This is what makes the good news so sweet. The good news is good. Because we have nothing in our own power to escape God's judgment. Nothing in our own power. But God sends Jesus down to save us. Everyone. To redeem, to restore, to heal. And we've been talking about sin so much, but Jesus comes so that you now can overcome it. He gives you that power because the Holy Spirit is living and thriving in you. You will have the power to overcome that sin. And because the Father and Jesus are one and the same, Jesus has the same level of holiness as the Father. So when Jesus humbled himself, when he came down from his high place and humbled himself, he didn't give up that holiness. Remember, he's on par with the Father. That's why he was able to live a perfect, holy, righteous life, which qualified him to be our sacrifice. And in his holiness, he had every right to judge us. He wasn't obligated obligated to come down from his throne and do anything for us, but he did. He showed us, He showed you mercy. He gave you love. He showed you that you're valuable, that you're just not something He created that's broken and messed up. No, He came to restore because He sees value in you, because He loves you. We'll never ever know how much He loves us. So just like Isaiah's sins were forgiven by the coal, ours are forgiven by Jesus' sacrifice. And because of that loving sacrifice, we gain the same desire like Isaiah to answer the call. Here I am, send me. We answer that call that Jesus, that, uh, that invites, he invites us to, to follow him. We answer that call and to put our life in the service of the Most High God. By following Him. And with them, there's no more judgment. We don't get what we deserve. So now, in contrast, contrast to uh, Israel, when we listen carefully, there will be understanding. And when we watch how the Spirit of God is moving, we will learn. Jesus will soften our hearts instead of making them hard. He will open up our ears and eyes so we will hear and see the truth. And because of the Lord, and instead of the Lord sending everyone away, leaving behind a deserted wasteland, we are found and we are given a new life and a new home where we will get to dwell in His presence forever. 
And we'll finally get to fully experience His holiness and not just sing holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, Father, I, I pray that that as we live this life with you, as we read the word of God, that there's going to be some things that yeah, we wrestle with. We may not even agree with some of, of your judgments, but Lord, Father, I pray that we would trust in your holiness and trust who you are. Trust that you're a good God with the best of our intentions in place. And Lord Father, thank you for just showing us who we really are. Maybe sometimes that's hard to stomach. That's hard to, to take. Who we really are, that sin is in us. That we're broken without you, that we're lost without you. But thank you for sending your son showing us your love. Thank you, Jesus, for for not giving up on us, for going all the way and dying on that cross and taking our sin with you. Thank you for new life. Thank you for renewing our minds. Thank you for cutting away the sin, for circumcising that sin away from our spirit. Thank you for filling us up with your spirit and empowering us to overcome it to overcome sin, to overcome whatever we're struggling with. I pray we trust in you, Lord Father. If there's anyone in here today that's been listening to this message and you've realized that, yeah, you're broken and lost, but you're realizing that, man, God, God loves me so much that he sent his son to die for me that I don't have to live where sin rules my life, where I don't have to feel condemned because of some mistakes I've made. But you want freedom in Jesus. You want that burden lifted off of you. If you've never made a conscious decision to follow Christ, I want to give you that chance right now. I would love to pray with you. If if that's you, just simply raise your hand and I'll see you. Anyone like that in here today? Anyone like that in here today? Okay. Lord Father, thank you for your word today. Lord Father, I know it's heavy word, but Lord Father, I pray that you're doing something and your people's hearts and that you're increasing our faith and trust in you. May you be honored in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, church. One last thing before uh, you're able to go eat lunch and fellowship. Um, I want to challenge you just like God asked, who will go for me? Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's someone close to you. 
But I want to challenge you when, when God poses that question to you to answer the call, to say, here I am, Lord. I'll go. Amen? We're dismissed. Be blessed. And I'm rising up with you.